We're back. We're down to one episode a month now, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just been a bit much lately, I think. We're busy and important, and we don't get paid for this, so sorry. Yeah, exactly. We don't have any sponsors, so Audible, um, if you want to sponsor us, just hit us up, and we'll go back to two episodes a month. I love libraries, but I'll show for Audible if I have to. <laughs> You'll sell yourself out. It's fine. Uh, so today we have our first guest in a while, uh, Megan Cubed, an author, and one of my old live journal friends from back in the day. Yes. Uh, how far back does that go? I think Heroes. Maybe? Yeah, 2007. So 2007. over a decade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh, that's I just, real. Yeah, I was just. I, I just had like a violent flashback to the uh, to the uh, Peter slash Mohinder yes. uh, group that I was a co chair of or whatever co moderator. Yeah. yeah, I remember making merch for the group. Yeah, <laughs> I I tweeted you a photo I found yeah. of myself wearing that merch. That's from, right. Like, high school. That I wore to school apparently because I just gave no fucks at all. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah Lita was in the heroes fandom as well. So. Yeah. Okay. yeah, we've had a lot of alums from that on this podcast. I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those were some bad old days, man. Like <laughs> sometimes I yeah I just think back to the crap that went on and I'm like wow. Because yeah. I went, yeah, because I went to like Comic Con during the hey, like San Diego during the heydays of the Heroes fandom stuff. And I remember being in Hall H for like the whenever uh, shilling for the second season premiere, and it was just a disaster. And then I was like, <laughs> and if only we had noticed how bad things were going, we could have bailed out sooner. But you know, whatever. Hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> Uh, but now you are, instead of writing fanfic, you're writing your own original content. And a lot of it is horror-based, which is very fitting for today's episode, Silence of the Lambs. Yes, I am a uh, uh, known purveyor of Hannibal fanfiction from, you know, before yeah. I made the official leap. <laughs> uh, yeah, it wasn't that much of a leap. <laughs> no, it really wasn't. Some, a few, you know, I always tell people, like, a few things may or may not been, uh, find replaced their way into uh, Amazon Kindle, but whatever, it's fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mostly write um, horror and paranormal romance and sort of like Southern Gothic fiction up to the point that I actually called my paranormal romance series Southern Gothic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. it says on the tin, you know. Yes, exactly. I, I believe in being transparent in my marketing. So yeah. <laughs> um, it's going to be uh, dilapidated Southern towns and cute boys kissing cute monsters. That's exactly... What you're gonna get from me on top yes. of Hannibal fanfiction? So, <laughs> uh, so, so, Lita, you actually, you. It's funny that we're doing this one as one you haven't seen because, like, when we did Horror Month, it was all ones I haven't seen. Mm. But this is one you haven't seen actually. Like, you never got around to watching this one. Yeah, I had seen. Um, I've actually seen parts of the second one with Julianne Moore. Oh. Um, which is weird. Still, I think that they recast her and had her still play Clarice um and I had seen part of this one like literally the very end so in my uh freshman year of college I took psych 101 as you do and <laughs> we as part of the class had to participate in I think six studies um and we would get these little slips and turn them into our professor at the end to get credit for them and it was basically just to show us more about you know, happenings in this 
field of psychology and it was to help out the grad students mostly because it was kind of like their studies that they put on and one that I went to was a study on uh, emotions I guess and they put me in this room that was literally just like a closet with a window <laughs> looking out <laughs> on the courtyard and there was just like a small desk and a computer and they had me watch a clip from Silence of the Lambs and it was <laughs> oh, a clip no. with <laughs> um, Buffalo Bill and the night vision goggles on and then mm. after the clip was over it was like rate how scared you felt on a scale of 1 to 10 and I was like I have no context at all for this so yeah. I'm not scared <laughs> yeah it's like you don't know if it's Call of Duty or what you know yeah, <laughs> yeah like what is this I, I are they just like assuming you've seen the film already like it's uh, so strange maybe like I think that it was just kind of an ill-conceived program for like a cool study like I, I they didn't know how to really um deploy it I think <laughs> And then it made you sit and stare at a blank screen for 30 seconds. And then it was oh. like, now how scared do you feel? <laughs> <laughs> so it was trying to examine, like, the passage of time and its effect on your emotions. Because then they also made me watch some weird scene that was supposed to be sad. But again, I had no context at all for the character. So it was just like, mm. I don't feel anything. <laughs> I feel nothing. <laughs> Well, put her down for psychopath. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but um, that's that's my experience with it. My dad also used to answer the phone and ask if I could hear the lambs screaming, and I'm like, oh, "What are you talking about?" Well, that's <laughs> oh, charming. <geez>. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. I'm not traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I had no context for it, so I was just like, "Dad, you're so weird. What do you want? <laughs> Did you get eggs at the store?" Like, Mom did he asked. like do the voice? Uh, like not as creepy. Like he was being silly like he wasn't trying to be like freaky <laughs> yeah he wasn't going to anthony hopkins levels of creepy no which he accomplishes so well in this movie he does yes i'm gonna admit i haven't seen like a ton of anthony hopkins's stuff but like he was extremely excellent in this movie and it's well deserved all the praise he gets for it yeah and i think like the different iterations of Hannibal 2 are so in interesting. It's almost kind of like like a... I don't know. It's sort of like a folk hero, but not a folk hero. You know what I mean? But like, there's so many different versions of him that are yeah. like different in different ways. Yeah, and it's really interesting. Um, like, each actor that has played him has brought such an... In like, this completely different take completely different like energy to the character completely different read and so that like um starting with anthony well we starting with brian cox in michael mann's uh manhunter who was playing him as just this very like bored predator who just could not get like will ram's attention so he was just sitting like that movie is so much fun because it's just him sitting in the uh in his cell just on the phone chilling talking to <laughs> william peterson like hey girl what you doing and he and of course william peterson's <laughs> having a total existential meltdown over uh the red dragon and all that shit yeah. but as will graham does as will graham in every will, version of him <laughs> as will graham is wont to do yeah but it's just brian cox is just sitting there that's like oh hey what you doing and talking about all this stuff and you know William Peterson's just like melting down in real time. And, you know, <laughs> and then you have Anthony Hopkins, which I think is obviously the definitive. Uh, yes, the most uh, famous. Well, famous, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you have Mads Mikkelsen from the Hannibal NBC TV show. 
and to a lesser degree, you had I cannot pronounce this man's name, but Gaspard Yulio from Hamilton. I was Rising. Yeah, just yeah. trying to figure out how to say his name the other day. Yeah, I'm like that guy with the dimples. Yes, <laughs> the guy everyone on like Tumblr was obsessed with for a little while there. Yeah, yeah, he had like one good year. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then he played the younger version of Hannibal Rising, and I. It's just, it's really interesting just how completely, radically different, but one, everyone has a completely different accent. We're all supposed to buy in that he's Lithuanian, that's fine, whatever. I accept <laughs> he's this. He's foreign, you know? <laughs> Yeah, he's from foreign country, you know, the foreign country. Uh, but yeah, that's it, one of my favorite things about uh, about the, the film franchise, and then obviously the TV show as well, uh, is that yeah, every, every version is so radically different, and to the point that the character is almost unrecognizable, but... It's it's still fun to kind of go go through all of the films and everything. So yeah, it's interesting. Uh, did you see? Have you seen any other Hannibal stuff? I don't think you've seen the show, right? No, I still haven't watched the show. And j besides, just like the bits that I've seen from the second one, no, I, and I haven't read the books either. It I didn't know that they were books for the longest time. Yeah, I actually didn't either. Like honestly, also like. I don't know, when I was, like, younger, like, uh, I remember there was this movie theater we always went to, and they had, like, a giant Silence of the Lambs poster, and it was, like, with the moth and, like, the eyes and stuff, and I mm -hmm. didn't know what the hell it was, and I was like, uh, this movie looks fucking weird. <laughs> Why is there, like, a giant moth? I'm freaked out by this poster. And I didn't know that was what, like, Hannibal came from, from, like, the longest time. Yeah. Until much later. And actually, the only, like, the, the weird thing is, I actually started watching the show before I saw any of the movies and before I'd read any of the books. Interesting. So that was what got me into Hannibal was the TV show. I didn't know anything about it beforehand. Well, and I think it's also kind of interesting to note is that, like, the books are such a far cry from the films mm -hmm. and because like they're just really dry procedural yeah. cop stuff. You know, it's like a, it's like a really, really long drawn out episode of yeah. like, like, Homicide Life on the Street or something. Yeah. <laughs> not it's not even like the the heights of like Law and Order SVU. It's just it's like yeah, it's really not even dry. like yeah, they're not like <laughs> even like trash books. Yeah, exactly. They're just like they're really it, informative. <laughs> yeah, it it really served as like a skeleton for like the the heights that the the films and the tele especially the television show took mm -hmm. it to because the the T NBC Tamil went fucking oh, so off the walls crazy with oh, the yeah. source material. Oh, yeah. And that's, I mean, a lot of people have, I mean, unless you're, like, really deep into the, like, the whole franchise and everything, a lot of people haven't read the books. They've only seen the films, and I never scoff at anybody for that, because they are so different. And they unless, are, unless yeah. you're so into, like, really dry, by the books, you know, step-by-step -step breakdowns of, like, cases, then you are not going to get anything out of this, period, at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, anybody who doesn't read the books, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, don't worry about <laughs> it. It's like the Wikipedia. It's what they made that for, so you're good. <laughs> for real. That's kind of, like, how I encountered the Dexter books. Like, mm. they just seem very much dry and it's from Dexter's perspective and he is a sociopath through and through there is nothing to empathize with at mm -hmm. all yeah like when you see him on screen you can empathize with him to an extent which it might not be the best thing in some cases it's the whole like Dexter and yeah. um what god what's his name from Breaking Bad Walter White. Walter White yeah it's that whole effect that yeah. of like people thinking that they are yeah that's justified <laughs> yeah because they like you get 
entrenched in like the main character's perspective and when you're actually like watching it unfold too it's kind Mm -hmm. of interesting too because you would think that like if you're reading the actual thoughts that like this character is having you would get more entrenched in their perspective but that's not always the case sometimes and I think it's interesting the way that like cinema and television like these visual mediums are able to just kind of like immerse us in that even when it's not just our own imaginations creating everything as opposed to like when we were just reading it off a page yeah uh so uh i'm jackie <laughs> hello <And> i'm lita <laughs> and this is why haven't you watched that Like twelve minutes with the whole intro. <laughs> we got really into it. It's fine. That's <laughs> yeah, good. We're getting in there. Uh, so, Lita, what did what did you think of this movie? I really liked it. I didn't expect to like it so much, actually. Yeah. I it, I loved Jodie Foster was amazing. Just her acting at the very beginning. First of all, just like how good she is at portraying someone so nervous, but so desperate to be confident and like put together and she oh that was amazing and I love all of the uncomfortable close-ups like I feel like movies don't get that Mm -hmm. close to actors faces anymore um I loved it yeah and speaking of that particular technique that they do that's what really gets us uh in Clarice's perspective and kind of like subverts like uh, the usual male gaze a bit because we're not the men looking at her we're her seeing the men look at her mm-hmm. yeah and she never looks directly into the lens whereas the other characters do so mm-hmm. it's like they're looking at us and like we're Clarice it's it's brilliantly done it's so good and um just to chime in a little bit like I think that is an, that was a really interesting way uh to employ her perspective because in the books you had like pages and pages and pages of her just internal monologues her assessing every situation every character and everything and and i thought that that was a really good way to like at least um attempt to like ground everything in her perspective so you see all of her uh her fears and inadequacies and and her attempts like you said to just kind of to, to be the best that she can be in the face of like literal people and monsters staring her down so i thought that that was such an interesting way to employ that just based on how the story was told in the books too yeah. it was a really interesting adaptation yeah like when the the cops all look over at her you mm-hmm. can like you, yeah. you feel so uncomfortable oh, yeah. in that moment and like it's not like when she goes into the elevator at the beginning too with all those like tall men in there as mm-hmm. a fellow shorty i've been there <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's I've, intimidating i related so much to the the feeling from all of those shots and i think that it's really cool that this movie's older and pulled that off so well you know yeah i i get because i feel like i remember the first time i saw this i didn't know it was uh made in 1991 and i would have thought it was like the early 80s Mm -hmm. so i don't know it just gives off that vibe like the the film stock i guess they used i don't know it just feels like an older movie than it is yeah i think it it comes down to the way that it's shot because like you said you don't see close-ups like that that's that's a much older technique uh and you don't see that anymore because it is super uncomfortable um I remember we were watching something. It was really funny. We were watching that movie with my girlfriend's family. We were watching Crazy Rich Asians on Christmas. And, <laughs> and I was sitting there, and, I, and her whole family is like, like 
they, they like watch TCM every week. They're like old movie buffs. So I was just sitting there going, what is it about this movie that I like? What is it about this movie that I like? And I was like, it's filmed like an old 1950s golden era romance, but today. And I was like, I love that. And that, that stuff like that where you're like, the, yeah, it, it, when, you, when you watch um, films and you see how they use framing and the cinematography and everything, you're like, this takes me back so far back. I can't even figure out where I am, but it feels <laughs> so strange. And, and for, yeah, and it does feel really dated. It almost feels like a like 1970s thriller or something yeah, compared to like 91, 92, you know, that, and that's yeah. definitely interesting. That's what I was going to say the whole time I was watching. I was like, I feel like we're watching a 70s thriller with the music mm-hmm. and the aggressive strings I've mentioned before on the podcast, <laughs> like those aggressive strings that they use in, in all of the older movies and um, the, the grain on the film and everything. Mm-hmm. And, like, the beginning of the movie goes... It, it sets everything up so quickly and so... It, it's paced so well, like, the first, like, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. It was, like... It's, like, almost the per- perfect... Yeah, almost the perfect first 20 minutes in movies. Like, you get, like, so much... You learn so much about the characters, about the situation, a f- way that feels organic. It doesn't feel like an info dump. Uh, we're really, like, rooting for Clarice already at this point. Like, so much happens. And... Like, I was watching it again, because I hadn't watched it in a long time, actually, before we did this, and I was, like, watching, I'm like, oh, man, this is so good. I forgot how good this was. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I really liked that. <laughs> I liked at the beginning how the FBI like labels all of their little obstacles on the course. It was like cargo net. <laughs> Just <laughs> chuckled at that. Yeah, in case you got lost, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is this? It's <laughs> a rope. Net. What do I do with this? <laughs> what do with rope? <laughs> it honestly looked pretty fun to me. I would love to be able to just go out and do an obstacle course every day. Yeah. I mean, not me, because I'm a lazy shithead. But, um. <laughs> in theory, it sounds good. You like the option. You like the opportunity. So you can yes. say no. That's the important yes. part. You like to be asked, so you can say no. Yeah. It seems like a fun thing, but I feel like that place would be so stinky all the time. Everyone was just <laughs> yeah. When she like, went in and... to go to the meeting, I was like, she's sweating so much though. She probably like smells so bad. Yeah, <laughs> going into Crawford's office. I love that touch though because I feel like women aren't allowed to even sweat in movies a lot of the time. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's really true, and that's like the first time we see her. Also, yeah, and oh god. Speaking of that, Chilton is the worst. I think we can all agree. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's so funny how, like, he just gets worse and worse every time you see him in movies. It's just, it's almost cartoonish. He just becomes death, deathly, uh, deathly whiplash or whatever by the end of, like, <laughs> of, of the franchise thus far. You're like, what is this nonsense? <laughs> I know. It's like he, he's going after him at the end of the film. It's like, yeah, but like, do I really care that much, though, yeah. that Chilton's oh, no. about to bite the dust? Not really. Mm-mm. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, just like even like when we first meet him and like it does that thing of him looking directly into the lens because the lens is Clarice and he just like oh I've never met a detective who's so attractive just like oh yeah. god I just oh I need to take a shower <laughs> like gross yeah. such a fucking creep Ugh. and then she has to like placate him and so she can like so he can leave at the end she's like oh but and then I wouldn't have had the pleasure of your company blah 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 it's like it's all shit yeah. we have to do we always have to placate men like this so we can like get them to leave us the fuck alone and all their feelings yeah it's ugh hate it <laughs> <laughs> um I have 
both the notes WTF and This Is Why You Never Help a Man, and I don't know what the second <laughs> one is referring to, but I know the WTF is referring to Migs, which I was not expecting that. Yeah. yeah. That so fucking nasty. And I think the note why This Is Why You Never Help a Man is when he shoves her in his uh, truck with the couch when she helps Oh, him. yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, some classic serial killer shit. Yep. Some Ted Bundy stuff. Mm-hmm. It very much is, yeah. Yeah. And the thing that always gets me about this and Buffalo Bill is, like, I... I, Because I, I, he looks so different, but I always know him as Leland Stonecrier. Oh, my God. Mark. Yes, like you, yes. Like, he doesn't look the same without the mustache, but, like, you hear the voice, and it's like, no. <laughs> Leland, <laughs> I, what are you doing? <laughs> I know. And it, yeah, because my mom is, like, so... My mom watched Monk from beginning to end, front same. to back. Loved that show. Yeah. Well, I would watch it with her all the time, and it was always like, oh, no. <laughs> Not the captain. <laughs> We trusted you. He has a secret past. <laughs> uh, but he he did a phenomenal job in this movie too. And like at the end when she like goes to the house, like the the weird way his mouth moves when he talks, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just so good. It's such like a good acting choice, and just like the weird vibe he puts out and how like just strange he is is so well done. Mm-hmm. But of course, we have to talk about unfortunately the big thing with Buffalo Bill, which is that he's not a real transsexual. But then they employ those tropes like, oh man, look at what a freak this person is. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. dressing up and like he's pretending he doesn't have a penis. Oh god, it's so weird. Yeah. But, but then they try to cop out. It's like, oh, but he's not really transsexual though. He just thinks he's transsexual because he's like fucked up in the head and like it's ugh. yeah, yeah, the, it's a the- lot. Yeah, like, it's one of those things where um, the original book, I think, was written in the 70s, 70s, 80s, I think. I think so. Oh, wait, no, I think Red Dragon was written in the 80s, 70s. So this one was probably written in the 80s. I I could be totally wrong, but uh, it was one of those things that it's like, that's kind of the, 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 the thing about the Thomas Harris novels is that, like, he does try to get a lot of stuff right, you know, like the whole thing with Clarice, yeah. you know, and then how he deals with trauma with, like, Will Graham and all that like he like he, he like a lot there's a lot of like really good i don't want to say progressive but i, w- I will say like Attempts. forward thinking kind of like oh there's better ways to frame this and talk about this you know um and then it was just one of those things where you know when you're relying on the medical authority of the time and even the medical authority of the day you know today mm-hmm. it, you're gonna get really bad dehumanizing information and and yeah, it, it, it's it, it yeah. dates it a lot. It, yeah, it, does. yeah. it really does. And that's kind of been the thing is that like the whole plan with like the NBC show is that they wanted to end on somehow by hook or crook get to Silence of the Lambs. And I was like, I don't see how with what y'all yeah. did, but whatever. Yeah, fine. I don't even <laughs> get how they would have done that with the whole Miriam storyline, which is literally and, the, the uh, yeah. completely from Silence of the Lambs, pretty much. Yeah, because they didn't think they're gonna be able to get to Clarice, so they went fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just do it here, but like the Cliff Notes version. But uh, yeah, and so that was that. The, from what I understand, the plan was always to end on Silence of the Lambs, and it was one of those things that, like, to this day, like fans are still super split when I talk to people about that. I'm like, I personally uh, am fine with them the show ending before they did that because I don't personally don't see a way on network TV that they could pull that off in a way that would not just reinforce the the you know the whole the gender issues 
and and the trans ish representation issues like yeah. I, I, I'm like I'm like I'm fine if y'all just let that one go because like <laughs> as much as I love this film it, it it still toes that line and you're like okay but this this helps no one <laughs> yeah help, this still helps no one <laughs> yeah th- this is slightly more forgivable because one the time it was done in and two yeah. they do at least make an attempt to be like well he's not like a real transsexual this uh, yeah. isn't really how transsexual people act even if it's a little bit glossed over and the thing everyone remembers is that yeah. would you fuck me i'd fuck me scene yeah yeah and like, it's but almost, i think that yeah. that's also one of the things that um like kind of if you have any knowledge at all about um actual transgender people like i think that that is something that sets him apart again because that the whole thing is not you're transgender because you want to look like mm-hmm. what you want to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that yeah, that's, like that gets someone the whole that doesn't philia thing that's been yeah thoroughly debunked by this point. Yes, <laughs> like I feel like people that don't know anything about it would just be like, oh, okay, so he's just you know a freak and that's what they're about. But yeah. I think that if you know something at least a little bit about it, you're like, okay, so that's just clarifying again that he's not actually like he's just messed up in the head and this is just what he's fixated on yeah because he's just still a white dude that's obsessed with hurting women and so much so that he's trying to turn himself into one because he hates them that much and he hates himself that much or maybe i don't know like yeah the, 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 thing, the problem <laughs> yeah the problem with this they didn't get enough into his psychology no. to really yeah. have it's it make not sense so much about him it's more about clarice and yes Hannibal, yeah but you know yeah yeah, yeah and it feels like the more they tried to address it the worse it kind of got <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's like yeah because the whole thing in the, in the original novels that you had the whole thing about his mother being this like burnout beauty queen pageant uh, contestant who was, you know, couldn't even take care of her, well, her daughter, you know, yeah. uh, and left her with the abusive grandparents, and she grew up being abused and became obsessed with her mother's beauty, and that was the internalized drive, and it's still really deeply fucked up in the book. I'm not giving the book a pass, but, like, you do see that relationship, and, and you see her you know, obviously they don't use the pronouns, but it, it's, you know, she's a trans woman effectively in the books. You know, they, they do okay. get that across. You know, it's just that they don't use the language and they don't, it's it's still, it's still really dehumanizing and bad. And I feel like they tried yeah. to, they tried to be like, no, 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 Jane Gum is just a straight up male serial killer, Ted Bundy type. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's you know. But like, but yeah, it's like the more they tried to fix it, the more mangled the whole thing got, and it's just like it, yeah. it's always, it always ends up being kind of the elephant in the room with this film. Is that like the more they the the, the more they tried to be like, no, no, we don't want to dehumanize all these people. It's like you still did, <laughs> yeah, you still I, went along, yeah. yeah I wonder it's just, what a workaround to that would uh, yeah. have been, you know? Yeah, because if it if it's not the the human skin suits then, like, what is he what doing? Is you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you have to come I mean, with a totally different thing. I guess yeah. it could still be that, just without the elements of, like, the the actual, like, feminine elements to it, you know? Yeah. Like, like just, just out of skin. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, or maybe he just has them just in his house yeah. not to wear. He yeah. just has them. <laughs> like the Ed Gein type thing with, like, yeah. the lampshades yeah. and yeah. stuff. Yeah, because it's, like... <sighs> 
Buffalo Bill putting on the suit and it just becomes this whole, oh God. Yeah, it just becomes, it's bad. It's like, once you wear the suit, it's like, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah I, exactly. It's just, you can't go back from this. It's <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, yeah, it's not a good, not a good look. <laughs> no matter what you do. No. Yeah, it's definitely tough. And I know they based him off of several different mm -hmm. famous serial killers, Ed Gein and um, I think Ted Bundy and maybe Dahmer. Uh, I, I think that sounds right, yeah. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the times the the serial killers that had um, lifestyles that weren't just, you know, straight male, then people try to cite that as being like, well, see, these people are freaks. Like, this is yeah. this is how they are. And it's like, no. <laughs> Absolutely not, yeah. <laughs> They're still in the minority in the first place, and it's just, that's just not how it is. No. <laughs> yep. <laughs> looking looking through my notes right now. Yeah, me too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So uh back to uh Hannibal. Um so when he escapes, like the the moment they come in and like find the cop like oh draped in the cage and like mm -hmm. the lights behind him, like Hannibal had to set all this up. Oh my god. The I was like, how did he do that? that? It's like that that messy bitch. You're like, just get out of jail and go fuck your day. <laughs> no, we had to create a whole like tableau. It was like a whole thing. Like how much time did he have to put this together? He had to put together an elaborate pulley system to get <laughs> him all the way up there. It reminded me of a, a kill that I absolutely hated in Dexter. I think it was like season five or six or something like that. But I know that they probably, that was probably an homage to Silence of the yeah. Lambs. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. The Hannibal show had many, many elaborate set pieces mm -hmm. of serial killing. Not done by Hannibal, but by just the scourge of serial killers apparently in the Baltimore yeah. area and like they're yeah. just all over the place yeah, just, they're all so creative and so dedicated to their craft yeah, yeah. Just Joe Blow serial killer out there hanging out in the parking lot like you know what I'm gonna make me a human totem pole it's like what is this <laughs> what is this it's like I'm, make, I'm gonna make a person out of bees and it's just like, yeah I love it yeah <laughs> It's Whereas crazy. in real life, most serial killers just prey on people that they think no one will miss, and then you yeah. know. And also, like, I, I feel like Han like Hannibal as a character contributes to this too. The idea of like the smart serial killer, like oh the intellectual one, which I mm -hmm. feel like we're seeing a resurgence of with the Ted Bundy stuff. First of all, Ted Bundy yeah. was fucking stupid. He so, was so dumb. <laughs> the only reason he didn't get caught for so long was because the police at the time were incompetent. Yes, and yeah. like it, 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 I feel like uh, it's just such a like the gentleman serial killer thing is definitely something the character of Hannibal has contributed to a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah, and that's one of those things that like and it really depends on how you frame the character. Um yes. because in the books he is very much like the Machiavellian. Oh, oh, oh so suave. <laughs> he, he has like red eyes and six fingers and he's just so oh, ha, 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 you can't defeat him. He's so intelligent. You know, and he's you know, he's like they basically the devil but yeah. not really. But he's more like a JRPG villain, really. And then you get, yes. to, and then you get to like Hannibal the show, and then he's just. And then they made him like the actual manifestation of the devil. Like he he's like straight up uh, like a Milton character, you know. Yeah. And it and it's fine, but it's one of those things where they yeah. It's a it's a matter of framing. That's it why that's why I think I no matter what happens, I think I like the Brian Cox version the best when he's just <laughs> hanging around in his pajamas, bothering Will Graham on the phone, like, "Oh, hey, what you doing?" I think about I think about church collapses, and it's like, what the fuck? He's so like 
not intimidating and he's so not even interesting. He's just this guy. He's like a bored, lonely guy who's obsessed with this FBI agent and he just calls him at his house because it's like, hey, what you doing? Hey, hey, do you remember me? You remember the good times? That, that, that feels so much more realistic too. Yeah, it does. As opposed to like, I mean, again, I love the show and I, I love this movie as well, but it feels a lot more like grounded than just like, just this unbeatable guy who like eats other people for like and he's like, oh, man, if you're rude, then mm-hmm. blah, 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 and, like, creates, like, these ridiculous scenes. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he's just, like, a messy bitch who loves drama. And, mm-hmm. like... <laughs> and, and I feel like the sh- when the show was at its absolute best in terms of the writing, it did convey that, that he wasn't really that great or, that's, like, he was just, like... Just uh, another dude. He was just... Yeah, he was just, like, so obsessed with the- these, like, very specific things um, and as you know, I feel like when the show was like, like season two, I think was peak gentleman serial killer nonsense. Yeah. I yeah, feel like yeah, season yeah. one, it was just the it was just the whole like him being so in love with Will Graham, he didn't know what to do with himself. And and then and then, and then you get to season three, and he is just a he is the messiest bitch. He's trying yeah. to get caught. He's just fucking up left and right. And I'm like, that's to me is how you should play Hannibal. Like, you should just play for the drama. Because we know... We, we know that it's... It's it, it's not real. Like, if you if you treat it like an opera, I think it's fine. That's, yeah. That season two, when it was yeah. like, I'm so smart, and I can do anything, and I'm and a also, the FBI has their thumbs up their asses ass, this entire yeah. season. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I think... Yeah, I think season two was the worst for that. But, like, when... But, again, like, when it's at just firing full cylinders, pure absurdity, I feel like you're, you're buying into it because it's... It, he's basically the devil. You know, it's yeah. like... But, but he's the devil in love with the cute boy with nice hair. So how serious can any of this really be? He took his own ass to jail in season three over this, you know? So you're like, whatever. But I definitely agree that, like, the more... Um, well-known and well-respected portrayals of Hannibal definitely feed in the whole ho 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 I am the chess master of murder and you're like great okay Fun. yeah I Fun. feel like we're so obsessed in society with that trope just because of uh the fact that America's had so many famous serial killers yeah. and so many of them are still unsolved and mm-hmm. like with the um Golden State Killer right yeah uh when they found out i mean they're pretty sure that it's this guy who is in law enforcement and that's probably the case with a lot of the people yeah. that they yeah. never caught yeah, because yeah. they cover up for each other and mm-hmm. if you know the system you can game the system and we know that you know rape kits don't get processed and mm-hmm. the dna doesn't get processed they just don't log it because they don't feel like it and there's mm-hmm. things that slip through the cracks all the time so it's not these people being so smart because it's really hard to actually get away with something like this if anyone is paying attention because people know your comings and goings if there's a body buried in the woods it's gonna look like something's been buried there for years Mm -hmm. and there's just so many forensic signals that point to who did it like there there's not any any doing any detective work at all and yeah, like giving any kinds of shits about it, mm-hmm. and it's a big reason too. Serial serial killers attack uh, attack like prostitutes. It's like mm-hmm. oh, no one cares about sex workers, you know, and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's like poor people or runaways, runaways, sex workers, the elderly, you know, mm-hmm. because people don't pay attention to them, and that's kind of like the really sick, sad reality of all this because of all like 
whether we want to call it serial killer fandom or not, because there's a difference between mm-hmm. serial killer, true crime enthusiasts, and fandom proper. But like, yeah. but it, it there's so much bleed over in the media that it's like it's kind of it's really getting hard, harder, harder to parse. You know what I mean? Because yes. it's like, and that was like the, the the big Ted Bundy thing. I think was kind of illuminating because yes. when the uh, the the show dropped on Netflix, I had for the most part. Um, my whole understanding of the case was from the lens of the gentleman murderer thing. But then after the, I was reading through a lot of articles and conversations after that, it was like, oh, no, the reality is like the media and especially men in the media who write the books and make the movies and, and do the podcasts and do the mm-hmm. stuff and build their careers on these guys, especially Ted Bundy, you know, who's like probably the most notorious of them all, uh, besides like Zodiac and what, BTK. Um you know, um, they've controlled, they've concocted this narrative and they've controlled this narrative and it's become through films and through documentaries and through podcasts and through books, it's become what we now think that Ted Bundy was this brilliant, handsome, charismatic murderer that people were just fawning all over. But then like, when you look at the, his, the people, the victims and people that knew him, they're like, no, fuck that guy. He yeah. was creepy and weird. And it was just like, and I, it just really, really occurred to me, like I said, very recently when this conversation took place, like how much, like I even internalized that narrative of mm-hmm. the gentleman killer, yeah. you know? And, and we talk about a lot of this stuff so much. And I, I actually um, was discussing this with my girlfriend because I, I had to block some people on Twitter over the whole Ted Bunny thing. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, ridiculous. I'm like avowed Hannibal trash, like through and through. But I also understand you know the difference between fiction and reality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is which is a I mean, you know, important distinction. Yes, yeah. which is a, a big plus for me, I think. But I, I was talking about how like if we really, really, if it really just came down to conversations about you know say oh people like serial killers because it's weird and subversive. Oh, it's counterculture. Like people are obsessed with like Charlie Manson for that reason. I'm like that's fine. That's cool and all. I understand that there is a con- like a contingent or a, a, con- a constituency of people who are into that for that reason because it's dark and macabre. Sure, why not? But like, so much of this boils down to like white male power fantasy, whether yeah. we like it or not. Because if it was just oh we like weird dark stuff, would we people would have t- tattoos of known black serial killers and known Latino serial killers because they're out there. But we don't celebrate them. They don't get movies. They don't get books. They don't get podcasts. They don't get documentaries. I mean, what's the, the only podcast I can think of at the top of my head is the Atlanta Child Murderers, and which was about a, a serial killer whose name escapes me. He was killing children in the 1970s, black children in the 1970s in Atlanta. I don't even yeah. remember the guy's name because I, it, I remember Ted Bundy. I remember yeah, John Wayne Gacy. I yeah. remember, you know, I remember all these other guys because it's yeah. been beaten over our heads. And, yeah, they've, we, and they've been turned into these folk heroes, basically. And, and it's, it's that, yeah. oh, well, this is just that average guy that you could be passing on your way to work that could work next to you in your office. And a lot of people uh, kind of ignore people of color in the same way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That they, they aren't thinking about it like that. They're, they're not expecting, like, this great grand mystery around them, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, the, they'll... They'll get them, they're like, oh man, they're all criminals, blah, 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 but they don't attach that aura of mystique to it. Exactly. Yeah, there's yeah. not this, like, oh, this calculated criminal mastermind aspect to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But I actually read some of um, 
Anne Rule's book on Ted Bundy, The Stranger Beside Me, which is, um, like, one of the few all-female perspectives, I feel Uh like, exists out there. And she was, uh, Jackie, I don't know if you know much about it, um, but she was basically his friend. She worked with him at a suicide hotline, but she was also an investigative reporter and kind of a... She helped the police out um, in Seattle, and she ended up working the case and then, you know, eventually came to know that it was him. And there's a lot in the book that's kind of her trying to um, justify what she thought he was and what he actually was. But then she actually covers a lot of the very specific nitty gritty stuff about his victims and like Mm -hmm. talks about their families. And I couldn't, I, I need to read the rest of it at some point, but it's a lot. It's very intense all at once, actually. Yeah, it sounds really intense. Reading everything that he did to these people and mm-hmm. the horrific, you know, th- there's body parts that haven't ever been found. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Like, in yeah. people really gloss over that sort of thing. In, yeah. Like, I, ref- I will not watch the Ted Bundy tapes on Netflix. No. I, I don't I care what he him. has to say. Like, yeah, I, same. Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't give a fuck what he has to say. It's he's not dead. worth anything. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like, I don't, I don't want to buy into the narrative he's trying to construct about himself. You know no. what I mean? Like, no, no, he already did enough of that when he was alive and when he represented himself in court and when, you know, he somehow endeared himself to his jailers to the point where mm-hmm. they didn't have him handcuffed and he just slipped out a library window yes. and then made his way to Tallahassee and killed a bunch of sorority girls there. You know, like, I walked past that house every day mm. and... It's just, like, insane to think about. And I think that's another reason why people are so obsessed with specifically him, because he did cover such a mass area, and because his M.O. was such a plain thing, so many people can say, oh, well, my mom totally had an encounter with Ted Bundy. Like, she told him to fuck off. And it's like, it could have happened, it could not have happened, but everybody wants to sort of insert themselves into the narrative of like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm a hero, I'm a survivor, like, I knew that he was up to no good, Uh, you know. And it's just... Depressing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, a little bit. Um, Well, anyway, more serial killers. (laughs) Oh, God, I had something I wanted to say about Clarice, and I don't remember. Um, Crease? Clarice. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh, the, like, since uh, the scene with the night goggles at the mm-hmm. end, too. Like, I know the first time you saw it, Lita, it was completely out of context. Mm-hmm. Fantastically done suspenseful scene, though, if you've seen yes. the entire film. And the way the night vision goggles was a great Chekhov's gun at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. God, a classic setup of that. So good. And, like, it's so interesting watching her stumble around and we can see everything but she can't and like it's just so odd watching her and she's so terrified and Jodie Foster is so amazing and that she scene. is she's great in the whole freaking movie like she, she is. just all of the nuances and her expressions that just I was just stunned by her face the whole time yeah <laughs> and the way she like dips in and out of her accent at different times too mm-hmm. and oh god it's just like a masterclass, <laughs> honestly watching her in this film it's so amazing and like i really wish there were more films like this with uh female lead characters mm-hmm. that yeah. were structured this way and like made them the focus and didn't like sexualize them 
And I think the characters in the movie sexualize her, but the movie itself it does doesn't, not. Which is yeah. a very important distinction, and I feel like that's the way it should be handled. And mm. I also enjoyed that her mentor didn't also. Yeah. Like, even and when Hannibal, Hannibal like, brings it up, about fucking you, and she's like, "This is boring." Yeah, yeah exactly. and I loved that scene because, I mean, I feel like, I feel like a lot of young women probably wonder that to themselves mm-hmm. and get oh, yeah. freaked out by that thought. And the fact that, I mean, even if it is true, we don't see him acting like that. Yeah, he doesn't movie, act which like I that think at all during the movie. Very nice. Yeah. But it also, it's very surprising to me that this movie did amazing. Uh, critically, right? Yeah. And I think that it's so weird that we don't have more movies like this because I, I feel like every time we do, they do so well. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's just, it's so weird because Hollywood's like, oh man, no one wants to see a film about this. And meanwhile, like, oh, like Black Panther broke box office records. Wonder Woman was the best DC film. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's like, yeah, but no one wants to see movies with the woman and the black person in the lead. It's like, clearly they do <laughs> like yeah. they clearly do and it's just like your own prejudices because you're all white men and you, that's the movies you want to see mm-hmm. and meanwhile you're like well money we need lots of money and meanwhile we're gonna whitewash all these characters and then these movies aren't gonna make any money but we're still gonna keep doing it anyway because reasons and like yeah. it's just it's it's it, it boggles the mind it really does and I how mean, many I feel of like those... things are getting a little bit better but like it's still not good enough I feel like we've backslid, though, in, in the same type of way. Like, I don't know. I keep seeing people post gift sets of Atomic Blonde on Tumblr. Like, I don't know why there's been a resurgence of me seeing it lately, but <laughs> I, I see, like, a lot of the um, the the scenes of Charlize Theron and Sophia Botella. I don't know how to pronounce her name. But, like, I feel like everyone's like, oh, my God, like, bio-representation, so great, like, love it. And there was nothing in that movie. Like, there are good parts of that movie, and Charlize Theron kicks ass in it. It wasn't a very good movie, in my opinion. And the representation of the sexuality was horrible. First of all, do you guys care if I spoil? No, it's fine. It's cool, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so spoilers for Atomic Blonde. But they are, like, basically trying to kill each other at first and then they end up sleeping with each other and the sex scene is like so gratuitous like it's just sort of a lot of writhing around with like uh the other girl's breasts like bared to the camera the entire time and it's very awkward like like what men think lesbians do (laughs) yes it's just a lot of like rubbing and writhing and it's just very weird and then she ends up getting strangled by the man that ends up being a double agent or something like that and so you know she's fridged and it just is like horrible representation and it just makes me so sad that people cling to just like the small good parts of it because they're like well at least you know. <laughs> I mean, I think probably what happens is people haven't seen the film and they just yes. see the gifts and yeah. they're like, great. That's and then a big they don't part watch of it. the movie. <laughs> That's a yeah. big part of it. Yeah, I mean, like, how many how many movies have I seen on Twitter get sold based on bisexual lighting alone? And I'm like, yeah. y'all, can you, can you see the film first before you make these declarations about what's yeah. in it? Please examine before you label the content. <laughs> yeah, there's in, e- there's in either a lot. direction. Also, oh yeah, too, you oh know? for sure. Because <laughs> I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh, this movie is bad. It looks like they're representing this horribly based on the trailer, based on this scene that I saw." And then yeah. you actually see it, and you're like, yeah. "Well, that actually was good, though." <laughs> yeah, the thing is, trailers frequently just wrong about the quality of the movie. I have seen some amazing trailers that made me like, "Oh man, this movie's gonna be so fucking awesome," and it, the movie was crap. 
main example being the Black Dahlia, which is a little relevant to this. The trailer for the Black Dahlia was incredible. I was like, this movie looks kick ass. I saw the movie. It was not good. And then you can't judge anything based on the solely on the trailer. Yeah. Because a lot of it depends on who's making the trailer, Mm -hmm. if they're good at their job, the footage they get to use, and a whole the marketing, a whole bunch of other factors. Yeah, for sure. Like it's just to get you interested. It's not money giving you and a, a breakdown of the movie. <laughs> unless it's one of those trailers that gives you the entire plot of the movie in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Which is most of them now. But yeah. um I think that the moths were kinda neat. I think that they like they were supposed to be creepy, but I thought they were really pretty. <laughs> I thought they were creepy just because I find bugs and moths to be creepy. <laughs> moths in particular freak me out because why? No, because the 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 sound of their fluttering wings mm. and like they're just suddenly in your room and <laughs> it's like I don't want to hurt them, but also I'm very frightened. Please yeah. get out of here. And I just I don't like flying bugs you. in general. Just, just. Yeah, I don't like things flying at my face, so I get that. But I do. I I really like. I like moths. photos of moths. I just, <laughs> Don't I want to be in the same room as a moth. <laughs> yeah, I have a collection of moth specimens in my house, so, I mean, I understand. <laughs> it can be a little creepy. Um, it, yeah, I... Yeah, the moths got more play in the book, but I do think that the way they, they used them um, in, in the film was really interesting and really, like, evocative uh, without, d- d- like, devolving into, like, oh, here's the... It's, Here's the background of the death's head yeah, moth. Yeah, without like hitting you over the head. Uh, yeah, it? which yeah. is what ended up kind of happening in the in the books, you know, because Tom Harris <laughs> loves procedurals. Yeah, he and, read, uh, <laughs> yeah. I only read Red Dragon, but Ooh. it was I was kind of like, okay, you know, <laughs> like I get it, I get it, I get it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I think Silence of the Lambs is my favorite of the Thomas Harris novels. I know that sounds bad because I'm a incorrigible like Bull Graham Stan, you know, from yeah. Womb to the Tomb, but. <laughs> I, I still think I, I still think uh, Sounds of the Lambs is the best personally to me the best the best book in the series. But um, uh, yeah, I, I do think that yeah, they do get so much more play in the books. But to almost to the I don't know to the point where I'm just like, okay, man, I'm good, I'm good. Can we just get back to the crime? <laughs> I, I get it, I get it with the moths, all right. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> Can we they, move on. Yeah, but I think yeah, the, the imagery was really effective in the film. Yeah, I thought. it is really good imagery, and it's. I, like the fact that they use that as the poster too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a very evocative image. Yeah, because I like you said, Jackie. I remember seeing the poster for that in Blockbuster and just always being like, "What the hell!" Like that oh, yeah. image sticks in it, your brain. It is. It does. It's traumatizing because, like, I remember seeing that movie poster when I was oh my god. We used to live behind like a dollar theater when I was a little kid, and I was like, I don't know, six or seven when the movie came out. And I remember seeing the posters everywhere. Like mm-hmm. every time I would like walk past the Dollar Theater, and then when it was a blockbuster, it was just it was such a so deeply creepy. And yeah. Then you see the film, and you're like, oh, okay, it was more of a it was a, more metaphor. Of a, a metaphor, a <laughs> metaphor, a thematic encapsulation. Yeah. But, but it's so deeply creepy, you yeah. know. That it like I was so and I was so young that like that 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 poster's always stuck with me. Like I don't yeah, yeah. it's still creepy. Me. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I did understand too when I saw it, I was like, it's just Silence of the Lambs, but there's like a moth. Moth. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I don't understand. I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah. I was also confused by that as a child. I also think that like that being her backstory is so deeply interesting. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you get why Hannibal gets obsessed with her, Mm -hmm. I think. Because it's like, yeah, this is like, isn't like your standard run of the mill 
kind of like background. Yeah. Like standard run of the mill traumatic backstory. Because like, he tries to do that to her at the beginning. He tries to insert this narrative on her, and it's nothing at all what her life was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, oh, did your your, your uncle did your uncle rape you? Blah blah blah. She's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's just such an like it's such an interesting take, and it really like showcases her character as well too. It's not even just like something terrible that happened to her. It was. It's also just shows who she is as a person as well, mm-hmm. which is a really effective character building and really brings uh, that to a climax in that scene. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's good storytelling, man. The yeah. whole thing, the pacing, and also his escape scene. It's filmed so well. The when she's walking around the cage, talking to him, and the shots get closer and closer. And, like, it finally, like, builds up to that. And it's just everything. There's just so much tension. And it's just... You can, like, feel it. It's just amazing filmmaking. Those were all really good shots. And I also wanted to mention um, when they're doing the... Not really the autopsy, but when they're looking at the body that they found. And I like that they didn't just yes. go for the cheap shots yeah. on yes. the autopsy table. Too, yeah. And that they're filming their reactions and like giving respect to it instead of it just being sensationalized and Mm -hmm. like you know gore porn basically and I feel like that's what so many new films get wrong because it's all about the the shock value and you don't need that for it to be effective like it's still unnerving when you're looking at these people's faces and their reactions to it you're like oh my god what is it that they're looking and then you see the bits and pieces of and you're like oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) and it's much grislier and more effective than just showing it boom there's the body oh man and then but no you it's like the slow build up to it really it's really effective yeah because you get you feel the tragedy of the loss and you yes. don't even yeah. know this person. And I think that there's a really good uh, parallel between, like, Sounds of the Lambs and the uh, Netflix show Mindhunter. I don't know if y'all saw that. But it was about... Um, uh, the, the guy's name escaped me now. But he was the FBI profiler that, like, mm-hmm. Will Graham was based on. And uh, and um, I cannot remember his name off the top of my head. I've read this guy's stuff, but for some reason I'm like, boop! gone. <laughs> My brain smells on a Saturday night. But it was going through like the real life case of the FBI profiler that like that Thomas Harris drew so much inspiration from, you know, and based like so much of like Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs and all this stuff. Because I think Will Graham and Jack Crawford were like these two guys that he like, that he totally based his characters off of, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I absolutely uh, hated that show. I hated it from beginning to end. Um, because yeah, that, that was a weird pivot just now. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, because I know you're like, yeah, because you know, but the reason I hated it was because um, it, it just, it treated, because the cases that they're examining through the 13, 12 or 13 episodes are uh, really like, uh, it, it's, it's women and children. Mm-hmm. And so it's a lot of sexual violence. It's a lot of like just, just unhinged brutality. And they show, they like, on the screen, they show autopsy photos, they yeah. show the bodies, they talk about it in, like, pornographic detail, and then they go talk to yeah. freaking Edward Kemper. Um, 
And and he's talking about the horrific things he did to pe- women in his own family. Yeah. In pornographic detail. And and I'm just sitting here and I was so angry because of because it, it was a lot of it was being built on, oh hey, this is the inspiration for Silence of the Lambs and Red Dragon. Oh, all those things you like. It's like, oh, okay, cool, I'm gonna go watch this. And it was just so disgusting. And the fact that it's the source material essentially of the things that we're talking about right now you know yeah in terms of the real life cases and this is this is how they wanted to present it you know when you when yeah. you watch silence of the lambs and you see how much care and how much weight all of these scenes have and how much violence how, how much of a scar this kind of violence leaves in the world yeah on not only clarice but like just the small town sheriffs that are like what do we do with this what what do we what was any what do any of us do with this? And then you have yeah. my hunter over here, where it's like just throwing photos of butchered women around, and I'm like, yeah, are you kidding like me? A circus, basically. yeah, it, it, yeah, it was, yeah, it was just like so just dis- it was it was depressing, and then yeah, and I think there's a really good kind of parallel to be made about like contemporary takes on the very very similar, if not the same stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for you know, versus something like this where you feel it, and it doesn't have to be a circus. It doesn't have to be a spectacle of just depravity. You yeah. know, I I did hear that about that show, and that's why I avoided watching it. it because yeah. Yeah. I am really interested in true crime, and that's not the part of it that I'm interested in. It's, yeah, I'm I'm not interested in all the horrific, horrible, gory details mm-hmm. and the kind of like almost taking pleasure in knowing all of the aspects of the case in in that excruciating of detail like I yeah. I think I take an interest in it because I am interested in the way people's minds work and I'm interested in it not happening to me and I feel sure, like underst- yeah. like <laughs> understanding <laughs> <Close> them <laughs> like I, I feel like understanding them maybe is like it makes you feel better and like makes you feel like well, maybe I could know how to get out of the situation, even though, like, again, it's, you like you mentioned, it's unhinged brutality. So mm-hmm. it's not something that you're ever going to just, like, take a class yeah. and just be in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. kind of deal. You know, you can't yeah, predict how you'd act or... I don't know how, how it would go down or just the stories we tell ourselves like if yeah. we were in the situation Catherine is in in this movie yeah. and, if she, and her brilliant idea by the way to get the dog yes. down there was fucking great I was yeah. like oh she's not just like passively accepting her fate yeah. she's like trying to get out and she like screams at Clarice it's like you fucking bitch get yeah exactly I loved it <laughs> like get me out first and make sure I'm safe first yeah, yeah. even if you know like you know it's not like practical for Clarice to do at that moment but yeah. like, it's just like it's like oh man just get her out of there come on yeah I, I actually I actually did see part of those scenes like at my grandparents house years and years back and I remember just being so scared because I was like I don't want to watch it if she dies and my mom told me like oh no she gets out mm-hmm. and so that's like I was like oh I feel better about that but <laughs> yeah um, yeah I, I like that she takes agency and like he, even when he kidnaps her you can tell that she's got that hesitance to even like go mm-hmm. over and try to help she mm-hmm. just like watches him struggle for a little bit yeah, and, and like she sees he has like the broken hand and she's like oh yeah. i guess i should go over 
but honestly me. maybe it makes me a terrible person but i'd probably just be like i don't know man you got it this far i got groceries in my hands <laughs> yeah my cat's same. waiting be, for me <laughs> see i would have not even i would have just walked past him struggling with the couch to be honest yeah. i wouldn't have even like uh, maybe it makes me a bad person i don't know but it's like i don't know you like, yeah <laughs> Yeah, and it's like me. nighttime, and why do you have to be putting this couch in there at night? Like, yeah. why is this pressing? Why couldn't you call somebody to come help you? Yeah. And I know that, you know, there's probably plenty of people who have had to struggle with their furniture at night with a <laughs> cast on that are upstanding citizens that just need some help. <laughs> but I'm not going to risk it. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> yeah, no. But I don't think that you would be stupid for Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, you know, course. doing that doesn't make you stupid at all. It makes you a, a good kind-hearted person who was taken advantage of by a yes. fucking maniac that's what yeah. it is <laughs> like it's on him to not be a maniac <laughs> yeah. yeah let's not blame the victims yeah, right. no <laughs> yes please don't put women in your basement it, you know at yeah. bare minimum here yeah don't starve them and then wear their skin as a suit yeah yeah don't say. do that <laughs> we, we, and we, also we, it's no just so interesting stances like that you know Oh my god. <laughs> i felt like it was really in, uh, interesting that he had a dog in general mm-hmm. like and just, I don't I know, it just it. shows, yeah. yeah, it just shows how crazy people can be and that they can, like, I feel like a lot of times people have this notion of, like, well, if you could hurt an animal, you could hurt a person, but, like, if you can't hurt an animal, then you probably wouldn't be able to hurt a person, and that's yeah. not always no, true. Yeah. Like, yeah, son, because you can project your own shit onto pets and animals. I, yeah. yeah. yeah there's a Whereas lot of- human beings are complicated and messy and dirty and have wrong opinions and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. And that's why, not to get wildly off topic, I think that's like one of the big cruxes of the pro-life thing, which is like they can project anything they want onto <sighs> yeah. unborn fetuses, but once the baby's born, uh, well, all bets are off, you know? And it's yep. like... <laughs> yeah, and I think, um, I think having the dog is really interesting too because it's it's not even just like the whole compartmentalization i think it is just really interesting because i mean a lot of us whether we admit it or not are really capable of selectively loving things people situation you know what i mean like it's not even like it's not even about us necessarily but like you can love a dog and a dog will always love you back you know because that's what a dog is supposed to do but a human like you said is like really deeply complicated and that takes work a dog is easy and it's you know it's fulfilling and it's kind of an immediate gratification so it's like it's for buffalo bill to have like absolutely no one and nothing and to be just adrift in in depravity it just it is him and the moms you know yeah that's a bit too much yeah, I, I think you like, have to have something because humans are social creatures. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that was a good way to be like an uncomfortable reminder that we're all a little capable of selectively assigning value <laughs> to, yeah. to, yes. to, to what we consider worth loving. Yes. You know, so I thought that was interesting because we all, you know, we all love our pets, but then it's like, but do we, would we, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> could we watch someone like just walk by as someone's like dying on the floor? Be like, yeah, but my dog's hungry. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, kinda, and like, there are people like that out there. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's sort of like an uncomfortable reminder that, you know, like you said, it's not all about like, oh, if you could hurt an animal, you couldn't possibly. It's like, no, it, it, it's slightly more complicated than that, and I, and I liked that about uh, about the dog. Yeah. 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 I, I do you think that? Uh, do you think that the girl kept? 
the dog because she's like she clutching she on clutching him. I hope she was so. clutching that dog super yeah. hard. I, hope I think so. she kept that dog. <laughs> got kidnapped, but got a dog out of yeah, it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a silver lining to everything. Right. <laughs> I, know, I, I, I feel like that'd be hard though. Like it would, wouldn't it? Just always remind you of. I mean, I mean, I think it's a little. I mean, yeah, I. I was thinking that too, like at the end, I'm like, she's clearly going to keep that dog, but like, wouldn't it like remind her of her time there? But maybe it's sort of like a weird coping, coping mechanism, mechanism kind of thing, yeah. you know? And maybe. it's like a living thing. It's not just like an object that was there that she has. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And it was also kind of how she was saved too. So yeah. I guess. Yeah. Hey. Assigning that value to him. Yeah. And if you think about it, like a dog is just, you know, a dog is dependent on the person that they're with. And yeah. at that point, was she not dependent on him for as long as he was going to let her live? You know what I mean? So it's yeah, kind of yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, uh, it's, you can't be mad at me. I can see why you would be mad at the dog. But, <laughs> but, you but, you know, after a certain point, you're just kind of like, yeah, how mad what, can you be? <laughs> yeah. Once it's all over, basically what you have in your arms is a dog with a broken leg. Yeah, And exactly. it's like, oh, man. I mean, I'm kind of responsible. Yeah, like maybe <laughs> yeah, they'll heal. Reason, yeah, maybe they'll also... heal together. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> this is yeah. It's, I'm coming up with positives on this one. I swear. <laughs> yeah. Something I also wonder too is like if Buffalo Bill knew that this girl was a senator's daughter, if it was just like some random chick he had picked out. Yeah, I feel like his if it was probably just random. Based yeah. on her her physical look, because he kind of was going for the same physical look in a lot of them, right? Yeah, and he needed them to be heavier, too, because of the skin suit thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think it was, like, a premeditated thing beyond yeah. it, her being, well, not like, even the necessar- type. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, like, in her, like, value as the senator's daughter, I mean, like, I don't think it was like, oh, I'll get some money out of this. I don't think that no, was no, his no, motive. No, 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 yeah, not even know? that, but I just, I feel like, I didn't know if he, like, staked oh. out his victims beforehand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As opposed to just, like, randomly selecting them when they saw them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even if he was like, ah, oh, it's worth the risk because she's, like, perfect for what I need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a little vague. I really, I'm not too sure about that. Because then you're sitting there going, when you see the news, you're like, well, I'm fucked. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oops. Yeah. Maybe I should just blindfold her and leave her in the woods, because I fucked that up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think but, yeah it, but then she tells them, yeah. you know, where, like, what he looked like and whoops. everything. Yeah, I think at that point, you might as well just... Uh, Cut your look, losses, you know? Yeah, live it's... the dream with your yeah. new skin suit, whatever. Just commit to... <laughs> commit to the crime in, in progress. You gotta, you gotta commit to it, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just the, the mess the hoarding aspect to his house yeah. too yeah. like and also like the moment she realizes who he is when she sees the moths it's like oh oh yeah yeah and like how she accidentally stumbled upon him and like oh that whole scene too where you think the SWAT team's going to his house and he yeah. opens a door and it's Clarice yeah. it's like oh no <laughs> oh. oh shit it's taken like I knew that bird. was coming but I was like no nah. <laughs> Like, the thing is, I even knew what it was, and I was still like, oh, man. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Th- I feel like that's a that's a little red herring that they throw into yeah, a lot of movies now. Yeah. It's, it's still, it, in this film, though, great, great 
filmmaking just yeah everything about this is just perfect not perfect but you know what i mean <laughs> it's really well done it's very good yeah very very yes good. yeah back to hannibal himself like we mentioned how he's kind of that like gentleman serial killer uh trope but then at the same time i think that they do still drive home that he's still got that basis of kind of like just hating women because some of yeah. the stuff that he says to Clarice and then the senator too. Oh um, yeah. When you brought up the senator, it reminded me of it. Just like the stuff that he was saying to get a rise yeah. out of her, and just you know, yeah. don't don't think he's too charming because like this is what it is. <laughs> yeah, he's a yeah because it's like yeah you're supposed to you're supposed to hate Migs you know. Yeah. But mm-hmm. because he's supposed to be just oh what a disgusting pervert, but then like. Here's Hannibal Lecter asking her about her sexual abuse history, and you're like, "Fuck you, <laughs> just, yes. just fuck you, dude." You know, and I, yeah, they they do. It's one of those things where I wonder how much of it is like selective memory of the character versus like how much of it is actually in the text or film. Yeah, in this case, I feel like, yeah, people remember like the big things, and they also remember the line that is not in the movie. Hello, Clarice. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, they remember the wrong stuff, and they remember yeah. the highlights. But it's like, yeah, but this guy's also awful and disgusting and treats women like garbage. And he treats everyone like garbage, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Except for but those. The way he treats women like garbage is, is, is bad. Yeah. 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 And it is hammered home, but I do think that part of it is sort of like the. And, you know, and like Walter White and like Dexter, how much of it is in the text and how much of it is the audience going, ah, yes, mm, this man is so charming. It becomes the Ted <laughs> yes. Bundy problem all over again because it's like, okay, but this guy's awful. And, and then you have all these people who are like, yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, and, and But then yeah. cops and, and judges, you know, basically men in authority are like, no, it's good. He's, he's a great guy. I have a beer with him. And it's like, yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> but if you have a beer with Hannibal Lecter, then I don't know what to tell you. You know? Yeah, like you're a bad person, objectively. And also, you there's would probably have a human in the beer. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> there's people in the beer. But yeah. He, like, used yeasty sweat to <laughs> ferment it. Like, yeah, wasn't ugh. there, like, a scene in the show, too, where it, it's implied you put, like, a human inside this, like, a uh, the wine slash beer he gave to Alana? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, I have my own little brewery. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> of course you do. You're, like, obsessed. Yeah. You're obsessed <sighs> with eating people. And then like, I don't know about people y'all. People. Like, what is it's this? not even just, like, incidental to killing them. Like, it's just, just you can't get enough. Yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then he How has, good can it taste? <laughs> it can't taste that good. And also, the other part of it is just, like, the, the, the creepy look on his face and he hands people, like, yeah, you're gonna eat that now. It's like, what the fuck is it's this? It's like the audience knows and the characters doesn't know. It's like every time he's, like, proudly giving a wink to the camera. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> and, 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 that's what, I, and that's what I'm saying. Like, how much of it is, like... This guy's a cartoon character. Yeah. <laughs> he can barely function in society. But 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 then everyone still remembers him as a ha-ha, such a genius. So like I said, I wonder how much of it at a certain point becomes society's conditioning towards characters like this versus what's actually uh, yeah. in, in the, the text, you know? Because yeah, I think the mythologizing. That, yeah. And also, like, the society's fetish for powerful white men. Oh, yeah. You know? And yeah. that sort of thing. I was going to say, I don't know about y'all, but I feel like I would definitely be able to tell if I was eating people. But also, this is one of those reasons, again, you know, I have a laundry list of reasons why I'm glad I don't eat meat besides fish anymore. And this is another one of them. Just just if you happen to run into a a debonair man in a suit who wants to, (laughs) like, 
give you some dinner. <laughs> give me like gourmet long pig, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I don't you, want anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah, in case you run into a generic European guy who, <laughs> who wants really wants to cook for you. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I gotta get out of here. It's like I gotta go. <laughs> it's gotta be gotta the old thing. dusty trail. <sighs> <laughs> And uh, something, like, uh, I thought the TV show did that was really interesting was the TV show is based on Red Dragon, mm-hmm. and they took two of the characters who were men in the book and turned them into women, mm-hmm. which That's I cool. thought was really interesting. Um, and I feel like it's something that should be done more often in careful and considerate ways, obviously, yeah. when you're pulling from material that was made during a time where like men were considered protagonists and it's not it's not weird to have only one girl in the story mm-hmm. kind of thing and it's that yeah. you know <laughs> it, it, if you're lucky and <laughs> so i thought that was a cool thing that the show did for sure even though it did add the interesting thing of like in the book like the uh they changed will graham's therapist slash colleague from a man to a woman and in the book he's like oh i don't want to get too close to you because i might start psychoanalyzing you and then the show they made it like a romantic yeah. thing and it's like mm-hmm. well that kind of puts that in a new context yeah, yeah. in the original book yeah <laughs> was that jillian anderson's character is no. she in that show jillian anderson was an original character for the show I yeah oh, okay. and she was hannibal's therapist and that ended badly so oh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> to put it mildly yeah yeah <laughs> I like I know a lot of the people that were in the show and I've seen a lot of different like screenshots and stuff like that of it, but I've just never been able to watch it. Yeah. It's it's good. I, I actually never uh finished watching season three. <laughs> the first season is really great. Yeah. And I think it's worth a watch. It does get into the more ridiculous in season yeah. two. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of those things that like I always tell people like if you're gonna watch it, just watch season one and see how you feel about it because Season two is uh, a bit of a disaster, and then season <laughs> three is even more of a disaster in new and interesting ways that are both <laughs> amazing and just deeply enraging. But then if you can get past episode, like, nine, <laughs> and then it gets really good again, and then it just derails into pure murder opera, gay murder opera, sorry, and then <laughs> then you have the big finale, and then I'm just like, yo, fuck, I don't know. Uh, but, for the, like, because season three is so over the top, it ends up being my favorite, because in the 11th hour, by hook or crook, they pulled it out, and I... I still don't know how <laughs> or even how, how I completely feel about it. But, you know, at least watch the first season because to me, I don't know. I think that's the yeah, tightest. It's the least ridiculous of the season. Yes. Yes, that's true. <laughs> the one the most grounded in reality and how things actually work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, it's one that I've always meant to watch, but it's like whenever I'm going to, I'm just like, I'm not in the mood for something heavy right now. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> I hear that. that. Yeah. It is pretty heavy. But it, the interesting thing about that, uh, the fandom behind it, too, is just, like, how many jokes are cracked about it. <laughs> like, oh, I remember yeah. when I was in it, it was, like, all jokes. It was, like, no dark stuff. Everyone oh, was just, no. like, yeah, it, it, it's such, like, an interesting, like, contrast to the show, which is, like, very, like, serious yeah. and dark. And meanwhile, it's, like, oh, we have flower crowns. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, and, like, the fandom is a 24-7, like, shitpost factory because we do not take, <laughs> I mean, you have your, you have your groups of people who take it very seriously, and I... I cannot deal with those people because I'm like, you do realize that this is insane murder opera. Like this is this is this show is bullshit on wheels. Like you know that, right? Yeah. And but that's why I, I love that it's overwritten and 
ridiculous. And the, like all the things that like should make it bad and kind of do, or why I, it's why it's my, like my favorite show of all time. But yeah, sometimes when like Hannibal says stuff, I make like the jerking off motion with my hands. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah. The the there are some fans that again take it very very seriously, and I, and I can't I cannot hang out with people. We're four years past like the. F- the series finale like yeah it's I, been four years yeah shit. i think like i think the summer will be four years and i'm like i can't handle y'all still writing essays on this show we <laughs> there's nothing left there is no new symbolism you cannot compare it to anything else it's done it's done it's done but like i can still watch it and crack jokes because it still makes me laugh and it's so over the top and so ridiculous like I, there are genuinely heartfelt moments that like will ruin me to this day but, like, when I'm watching it, it's just, like, you fucking... I, I just yell at him. I yell, I yell at Hannibal 24 hours a day when I'm watching the show. Because I'm like, <laughs> where are your eyebrows? What is wrong with you? What, <laughs> you, you are a terrible man. But, you know, because he's so ridiculous, you cannot take him seriously. Uh, and the further you go into the show, the worse yeah, the, the worse slash better it gets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and you can't take him seriously because he's just a cartoon character. And you're like, all right, fine. As long as long as we're all on the same page, I think it's fine, you know. Yeah. But that's honestly kind of how I feel about most fandoms. In that, like, I want to be in them shit posting and having a good time, yeah. and occasionally, like, I'll you know, I'll, I'll entertain an essay or two, mm-hmm. like a little bit of talk of symbolism. But when you're just like all up in your feels all the time about the fandom and just you know soliloquizing about how it's so grand and I'm going to compare it to this and I'm going to compare it to that and I want this to happen and I'm just like can you calm down Mm -hmm. you have to go outside eventually please take a deep breath of fresh air and just like it's Star Wars man it's not that serious Uh, yeah yeah. like I all all I want out of Star Wars is cool noises (laughs) lightsabers fight scenes shit posting mm-hmm. i don't care that the last jedi ruined your childhood like i don't want to hear about it if you didn't like it i'm so sorry for you but i'm excited for episode nine please get the fuck out of the post on episode nine talking shit about the last jedi let go you'll feel yeah. so free let go of your hate <laughs> yeah like i'm genuinely sorry for people when they don't like something but i'm just like just let go just let it go in the wind You'll feel so light. <laughs> uh, I feel like I can't really talk because I was definitely a hate fan of Twilight back in the day, but I was also like 17 years old. We yeah, were- I mean, I think that, that can be excused. Yeah, we were yeah. all Ed's lords at 17, so I mean, yes. come on. Yeah, teens get a pass, but if you're like in your 20s, cut it out. If you're yeah. in your 30s, it's time. Especially if you're in your 30s old, are you really yeah. gotta yeah. You cut gotta it out? You gotta a job or a therapist or something. Sorry yeah. about you. <laughs> Honestly, I think that we everyone on this earth needs both. Yes, <laughs> regardless. Yeah, job and a ther- jobs and therapy for everyone. A new order under yeah, no, yeah. right. <laughs> I need both of those things right now, so we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. I got one. I got a job. Just, yeah, just I know exactly. Therapy. I know. So wait on the therapy. <laughs> yeah. I have the freelancing part and I'm trying to get a job that will help me get the therapy part. <laughs> yeah. Living the dream. <laughs> yeah. Love America, wow. <laughs> wow, America. <laughs> so, yeah, I 
I don't really have any more notes, but I think that we covered everything pretty well. Yeah, we covered a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, be sure to check out uh Megan's stuff. Uh, your Twitter handle is just Megan Cube. Right? Yes. Um. I'm usually my discipline is usually the daddy appropriator. Uh, so <laughs> if you can't find me as Megan Cube, you can usually find the daddy appropriator screaming into the wind about <laughs> all sorts of things. Usually handle. Uh, most often monster dicks, but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can yeah. be found there <laughs> screaming. Yeah. In the I will admit I haven't read uh, your newest stuff because it's not really my kind of thing. But I will, I can mm-hmm. vouch for you being a fantastic writer. So if you are into that genre of stuff, uh, you should check our stuff out for sure. Um, so uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter too. YWT Podcast, please, for the love of God, just, just follow <laughs> the fucking follow Twitter. Us. Just just the news, you know? Like, if you just listened to the podcast, you didn't know that we're only doing these once a month, but you followed the Twitter, you would be up to date on what's going on. Um, and also, please rate and review us and subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and all the other places we're at. Uh, yeah, please. We love you. <laughs> please, God. <laughs> Imagine me very lightly kissing the top of your head if you do these things. Um, so- <laughs> Just a small boop. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I've been Jackie. I've been Lita. And this is why haven't you watched that?